the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. How are you doing today? It's really good to have you with us. Today is a really big day in the Fromm household. Aubrey, my oldest daughter, it's her 18th birthday today. I I mean, well done, sir. Well done. Well done. <laughs> there is some. Okay, let's go. You and I were joking that we're going to have this underlay of cats in the cradle in the background. <laughs> and, the cats in the cradle and then we decided that there are Christian Ooh. versions of it. Right? What did we do? Butterfly <laughs> kisses, all of these yep, uh, yep, in the background. Right. Aubrey, 18 feels like a big deal. I mean, it's a very big deal, Brian. Yeah, you actually came well in like I'd be sad. You're like, you okay? <laughs> I know. I was like, all right, Brian, what, are you. How's it going? So I not to be too over dramatic about it, but I do want to I want to process with you the quick passage of time. Okay. Cuz here's here's mm. what's weird, Aubrey. You and I are all right, I'll tell people how old I am. Okay. You are younger than me. We'll I, just I, say I will, that. It, we'll just it keep it months, like that. It's it about might to change, be months, but... <laughs> it might be years. Uh, but I am 44 years old. So to some people you might think I had we had our first kid young. 20 we were 26 when Madeline was Which born. Which is the average age. To, feels, yeah. It feels less and less to be the case now, but back when we were kids. <laughs> you know, I got married at 22. We had our first kid at 26 yeah. and uh and so Madeline turns 18 today. And here's something I told her the other day, Aubrey. Her and I were just chatting. We were laughing about her because she's kind of like, hey, I'm, a, I'm turning 18. Like, here I come, world. Here we go. Uh, I said to her, you just need to be okay with the fact that your mother and father always will see you as six years old. I mean, that's just reality. And she that's looked so at me true. like, what? I'm like, I understand you're not. <sighs> and we're, I literally said, to her, I said, we're trying. <laughs> like, <laughs> we understand you need some freedoms, but you need to meet us halfway here because, <clears throat> because we've got, uh, you're just like our little girl. Yeah. And so it's hard for us to fathom that you're 18. And so, you know, every every birthday is like a big deal, right? When your kid turned one for the first time, when they oh. turn 10, when they become yes. a teenager. But 18 is, Ryan. you're an adult. I mean, I told her I'm going to go out and she's going to have to buy me a scratch off ticket. At a, uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say a pack of cigarettes. No, no. I think someone told me that I raised the price of that. I wouldn't, uh, not price, but uh, age of that, I oh, think is okay, right. Okay. But, uh, but I, but I told her you're going to have to get me a scratch off ticket yeah, today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ryan, but, I know. I feel like, I mean, my son is 14 and I'm already like getting emotional about him being 18. You, I mean, this is a big deal. It's your firstborn. This is your baby. Yeah, she's my baby 18. Is And then 18. she's leaving the house uh, presumably well, let's, let's next year. Well, just, uh, I'm just saying things I will, happen. I will warn you in advance that that show is going to be a sad one oh. on this station. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's just taking that day off, but that yeah, week off. But you make a good point. It's her senior year. So there's all these lasts going on. And I don't mean to be melancholy about it, but right, it's your last uh homecoming yes. it's your last graduation's coming and uh 
you know, turning 18, looking towards college. And so, Aubrey, that's a long way to say, let's kind of, besides me just, you know, rocking in the corner going, where's the passage of time going? I am also right now at our church preaching just a quick four-week series, the last one this week, about the book of Ecclesiastes. Oh, wow. Isn't that good timing? It really is. And so uh, I jokingly said uh, to our to the church the other day, like, I asked them, what would be the best song, the best soundtrack for the book of Ecclesiastes? And I jokingly told them it's Cats in the Cradle. It's this passage of time. Yes. And so let's turn this just a little less personal, a little more kind of uh, corporate and biblical. Aubrey, what do people do? It really uh, is true yeah. that the the days are long, but the years are fast. Mm. And you realize it when your daughter turns 18 mm. or when yeah. anything else, whatever else it might be. Yeah. But Or your college reunion where you go, wait a minute. How did 20 years 20 pass? years? Or right, right. I remember when Carrie and I right. had our 20-year wedding anniversary and we're like, what happened? Did we just get married? Yeah. Like, what in the world? So and strange. so there's all these markers, and I'm starting to understand what it must have been like for our parents. I, like, mm-hmm. I feel like I always need to go apologize to my parents. Isn't like, that oh, true? I'm so, I'm so sorry. I didn't understand. So the person out there, I always like to talk about the person driving in their yeah. car right now. Yeah. Who's going like, you know what? It makes me sad that life goes it so fast. It is a little sad. How do you process it all? Because uh, now I've, I've verbally just kind of vomited on you on my daughter's 18th birthday. But what yeah. do you do with it? it? Time does go fast. Time goes so so fast. I, you know, something that I feel like the Lord has been really reminding me of, I may have even said this on the show earlier this week, is just to practice thankfulness and being in the moment. We can't change anything about the fact that time is passing. We can take a lot of pictures. Mm-hmm. We can make a lot of memories. We can do our best to like mark the moment so that we remember. Because my problem too is I forget yes. things and then you feel bad about forgetting But I do think what we have to do every single day is take each new day as an invitation Mm -hmm. and just ask the Lord to help you. Okay, Lord, show, let me see with your eyes, show me what you're doing so that I can be thankful so that I can celebrate my daughter turning 18 so that I can celebrate this new season. We're in, you know, in our weather so that I can, because you have to, I think you have to celebrate and you have to grieve because, um, something about, I I haven't quite pinned this down yet. Something about that, that time feels fast and limited, has to be something in us that's longing for eternal time. I, Don't you think? I do. I do. So I, some of the sadness that we feel I actually think is an appropriate longing for God and and perhaps even a quote-unquote proof that there is something beyond what we're experiencing now yes. that we can hope for in the future. I think that's really good because— uh, Here's where it gets difficult is when you only look back and you're like, yeah. oh, I long for it. Like I was even telling Madeline last night. I'm like, I know you're sick of hearing this, but I can vividly remember the moment you're born. Yes, and absolutely. To, to me that it's 18 years is just crazy. Yes. But it was like 18 seconds ago. Exactly. Yes. But we can either just enjoy those remembrances but on some level, we must be people, whether in your 20s, you're in your 40s, you're in your 60s, there always has to be an in front of you, right? Like – uh, this is what always worries me about people who retire is like you just worry that they get to the point where, where it's all looking back. And now I'm just kind of doing nothing like there always has to be new yeah, and there always has to be goals. But mm. also we have to remember that we never are off mission to use a biblical That's kind good. of church term. That's good. No matter how much time you have in this world and no matter how fast it feels like you're going you you have a calling from God to go and make disciples, to uh, be the light of the world. Whether your kids are preschoolers or they're getting ready to go to college yeah. or yeah. you're an empty nester. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I think, Aubrey, uh, the encouragement for people out there is 
yes, passage of time may be quickly, but there's so much ahead of you. And just keep going. Like, yes, that's keep it. Keep living in that's the it. moment. That's it. Right? That's good, Brian. Yeah, Alrighty. that's really good. Thanks for letting me get that happy off my birthday, chest. Happy birthday, Madeline. Oh, actually, we, we talk about it like I'm super excited. Like You're it's happy. been a fun yeah. celebration day. It's Yay. going to be a fun celebration. Uh, so super excited. Happy birthday to that's my awesome. youngest. Uh, my, my youngest. My oldest. <laughs> Uh, Madeline, who turns 18 today. Well, Aubrey and I are both pastors. Coming up next, a a new study out of Barna that suggests 38% of pastors are seriously considering quitting. Aubrey and I, as pastors, are going to discuss why we think that number might be larger. (laughs) You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us today. Aubrey, over at uh, Christian Headlines, uh, they were quoting a Barna study. So Barna, if you're unaware, uh, that is like the research group. That yes. is like the survey group uh, that, that kind of gets you the stats of the church that you want to know. And Barna came out with a very fascinating statistic the other day uh, that I will just read you the headline of this article. Okay. 38% of pastors seriously considering quitting, Barna says, quote, I didn't <laughs> sign up for this. We're going to kind of uh... dive into the numbers a little bit more than this. But, Aubrey, you and I are both pastors. Yes. Uh, a, do you believe this? And B, what's what's going on here? Um. One hundred percent, I believe it. In fact, I said one hundred percent because I thought the statistic would be a little closer to that. Um, I, you know, the reality is it's it's post twenty twenty mm-hmm. burnout, mm-hmm. and every pastor has one been so hurt. I think by their church because of decisions that they've made. And again, I've said this again and again: decisions they've made. Never having been through a pandemic before, That's right? That's right? right. Um, and the the stress, stress, the emotional toll, the um, amount of people who have left or just migrated, it has been very different than I think what any of us thought this work would be two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so I think for some of us, you can step back and you can go, okay, Lord, help me endure. Like you're doing something. I, I signed up for this through thick and thin. So like, keep me persistent, even when I don't want to be for some people. And I have friends in this category are like, no, I'm out. Like mm-hmm. it's just too hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think the pandemic is the big one, Yeah, but I think the pandemic kind of was more of a microscope on the other things that were going well, yeah, on. Yeah. And maybe triggered other things yeah, that were yeah. underlying. Yeah. I think the politics of our world right yeah. now are part of it. The, um, but I think the pandemic is the big one, but, uh, and I've tried to unpack that for people and for myself, Aubrey, because I got to be honest, the last 18 months, you and I talk all the time. Mm-hmm. The last 18 months for me has just been a roller coaster. Yes, absolutely. I actually feel like I'm in a really good spot right now with church and pastoring and okay. stuff. But you know, like two, three months ago, it was like, I'm done. This yeah, can't, I, can't do I don't know this if I can anymore. keep going. And two mm-hmm. months before that, it was like, no, things are getting back. Yeah. It's good. Two yeah. months before yeah. that, where I'm out. It was kind of this roller coaster that hasn't existed, at least for me before. There is the old running joke, right? Every pastor quits on Monday. Of course. But that's not course. actually true. Right. Uh, right. But um, I think the pandemic removed some things that still aren't present that we uh, probably hung our hats on as pastors. One is just interpersonal relationships. Like so much of what I've always enjoyed about being a pastor is the one-on-one stuff is this. 
you you got to be honest also that one of the things that's going on here is every church that I know of is smaller. Every church is smaller. Nobody quite understands Even why. Even mega churches are smaller. Every church is smaller. Yes. I uh, And I think we're going to talk even more about that later in the show. But uh, every church is smaller. And as much as we say, oh, the measure of your success as a pastor is not the size of your church. It's not the trajectory of your attendance. It's yeah. not your budget. Yeah. Most of us pastors don't actually believe that. <laughs> Most of us don't believe right. it in the way we actually live. Mm. I believe it in like a theoretical. Sure, absolutely. It's not about how many people are here. Right. I will just be bluntly honest and tell you, oftentimes my satisfaction about myself and my job is tied into how many people are there on Sundays, yes. how our budget's doing, yes. the, the, just the general yes. feel of momentum, so that all of those things have been ripped away now for a year and a half yeah. in people close to you leaving uh-huh. and it, the, it's a stew that makes me go i'm not sure 38 percent maybe strongly considering leaving is accurate i really think that number is higher of people who've gone i'm considering it yeah i'm yeah i'm wavering i'm wondering and what's mm-hmm. sad aubrey and then I'll, I'll let you jump in mm-hmm. here what's sad is i don't think this is 38 percent are strongly considering leaving their church I think this is bigger mm-hmm. than that. I think it's 38% are strongly considering leaving the pastorate. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I'm with done that. with this profession, yes. not with this church. Yeah. And uh, I get that, but that's there's something wrong. There's yeah. something wrong in the whole mm-hmm. – uh, it's it's mainline, it's Anglican, mm-hmm. it's evangelical, mm-hmm. it's Protestant. It's mm-hmm. Catholic. There's something wrong in, in the whole setup that, yes. that this is happening. And I don't know exactly the answer. I feel like that's ultimately what I'm what I'm trying to diagnose as, as I think about this because um it does feel like there's several problems, right? Like one is sort of a consumer culture that we've helped create in the church. Another is sort of like why does everything fall to the lead pastor, including mm-hmm. the bad stuff. <laughs> um, what is well, it? I mean, there are there are experts out there who say like leadership is bleedership. It's hard. Period. Mm. This is the game. You know, like you have got to develop thick skin, or you are not going to make it as a leader. So I understand that is just part and parcel with any leadership position. I, I don't know if it's that we just didn't expect that as yeah. pastors. I don't know if it's just our own burnout i i i'm trying to diagnose and because there's got to be healing like the lord is clearly doing something because it's happening thematically across churches so part of me is just like lord okay help us know what you're doing and serve you faithfully and like help us to make sense of this and do better i just don't i I haven't quite put my finger on exactly what it is but you're right like there's something underlying all of this that needs to change and shift um, and going back to the point you made earlier, Brian, I would say too, like we've had a, the past few Sundays at Renewal Church have have been more full, mm-hmm. and so you go, okay, I think the church is going to make it. <laughs> <Yes>. Okay, <laughs> when it feels a little empty, you're like, oh, it's so fragile. But here's what I also know: I know those aren't necessarily like new people off the streets, never knew right. Jesus, never been yes. to church before. You know, revivals happening. It's like they've left their churches because they're angry at their pastors. <laughs> yes, they're bringing their anger to and you. And so that doesn't feel right either. And I just, I don't know. Yeah. It's like I think you have that's to the hold it all answer. loosely and just be like, Lord, this is your deal. That is the grand answer. And here's it within the study, this study, as you unpack it a little bit, you would think churches are opening up more and more that this would be getting better. Mm-hmm. But in fact, this number rose since January. 
Oh, wow. I think in January, very few of us were wide open. Like, most of us are more open now than we were in January. Yes. Uh, the election had already happened. Yes. It was at its height. You would have thought January would have been like, oh, my gosh, the people were all over. Right. Says 29% answered the question that way in January, saying they're seriously considering leaving the ministry. Wow. And now it's 38. Like, wow. we're climbing here. Uh, it's higher in the mainline churches, but it's kind of across the board as to what it says. Um yeah, Aubrey, it is interesting. And I, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I'm like you. Like, oh, today, this Sunday had a lot of people in it, <laughs> relatively speaking. Uh-huh. Uh, I feel good about myself. Right. For me, we've started introducing some, of, like, not events, but some other programming mm-hmm. that's happened. Mm-hmm. And it's been actually, like, really well embraced. People are like, oh, good. you can tell they're, like, wanting to do things. Yeah. But all it took was like one success where I'm like, oh, never mind. We're good. <laughs> We're fine. And that's really dangerous because it's also going to take that one failure right. to go, nope, what right. was me? Right. I'm out. And right. so, uh, Aubrey, a word for the pastor out there who's struggling. Who would, and, and I'm just, I don't mean to be as bluntly honest as I am. You mm-hmm. and I have both been there. We have. Maybe are both there, yeah. will be there. Yeah. So we get it. But yeah. what uh, what's a word just to that man or woman right mm-hmm. now who's going, I'm barely holding on. I think I would say look to Jesus. I mean, this is, you know, the the God that we serve, the God who built the church and dreamed up the church and deeply loves the church and is married to the church is also the God who gave his life for the church. He suffered the most horrific death possible and rose again. Mm-hmm. And so he is not unaware of your pain. He is not unaware that this is a cruciform call to be a pastor he is not unaware of your heartache and the the sacrifice and the service that it takes. And though you may not feel seen, though you may feel rejected by your own people that you've poured into at the end of the day, the Lord knows exactly how that feels. And I and I do believe, I mean, for some of you, the Lord may be saying, it's time to go. I think for others of you, the Lord is saying, do not give up. Mm-hmm. Run the race. Stay faithful. I see you. I'm here. I've got this. I'm blessing you. And I know you feel under-encouraged today, all of us do in this role, but I I guess I want you to know that um, the Lord is your sustainer, the Lord is your provider, the Lord is proud of you, the Lord is cheering you on, the Lord is blessing you, that great cloud of witnesses is cheering you on, and perhaps this is the moment not to give up, but the the moment to really lean into that call that God put on your life a long time ago to be a pastor and just see what he might do in this new season, mm-hmm. this new way. That's a good word. Good word, Pastor. Why, thank you, Pastor. <laughs> you're like, I need to preach that to myself. I know. As I'm saying it, I'm like, Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Yeah, if you're a part of a church, I do think your pastor, whether you can see it or not, probably needs some encouragement. There you go. Uh, just a good word, and uh, that is helpful. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the gospel. What is the full gospel? What do we need to understand? What exactly is it? An interesting tweet from someone we've had on the show before, David Fitch about the gospel. Going to discuss it next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. One of the things for us as Christians to be most thankful about at Thanksgiving Uh, is the gospel, right? And we throw that term around a lot, the gospel. Yes. Uh, But it is at the the foundation of, it's the good news. It's it's at the foundation of what we believe and what we celebrate. Uh, It is is what we are thankful for. And so I know churches often, you work gospel-centered church. We want to be founded on the gospel. We want to be this. Yes. Uh, 
and what that presupposes is an understanding of what the gospel is. Like yes. if I say to you, oh, we're all about the gospel, you should then, if you're a visitor, go, yep. oh, really? what's well, the gospel? Right. And that, and you go, wait, everybody knows the gospel. Right. We kind of, we <laughs> kind of assume it, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you're, you're a church, you get the gospel. Uh, so David Fitch, David Fitch, I believe over at Northern Seminary, we've had him on a few times on the show. Uh, David Fitch, he's been on, he was on with Ian and I a couple of times. You would appreciate this. Every time he was on, he's one of those guys that when you interview him, he kind of interviews you back. Oh, interesting. Like, like hey, what, what do you, you think guys about think? And you're like, oh, oh, that's not my job. <laughs> you're really the guest. You're the guest. <laughs> it is. I love having him on. But David Fitch wrote, let me read to you something he wrote on Twitter. Okay. Uh, and I want to kind of unpack it because why? I, I, we ultimately want people out there uh, to know the gospel, to love the gospel, to have their mm. hope grounded in the gospel. Uh, so David Fitch wrote this on Twitter. Speaking of this, it's a good use of Twitter. A lot of bad uses of Twitter. Yes. Good use of Twitter. David Fitch wrote, God loves you is not the gospel. It is a part of the gospel. Mm -hmm. It is a necessary preamble to the gospel, but by itself alone cannot be the gospel. In fact, left on its own, this proclamation can lead to serious malformations of the gospel. And he ends with what every tweet should end with, comments. <laughs> wow, he welcomed that. <laughs> uh, unpack that a little bit. Where's yeah, he right? Maybe yeah. where are you maybe would like to hear more. What What do you think about yeah, what David I mean, I wrote think there? Ultimately, what he's talking about is it's not a whole gospel, right? I mean, even when we, even when we believe it or not, share atonement theory— mm -hmm. That's not the whole gospel. A lot of people think that's the whole gospel, that Jesus died for our sins or took our place, took the penalty we deserve. That is part of the gospel. That is not the entire gospel. Mm -hmm. The entire gospel is found in Genesis to Revelation, that God had a dream for the world, that everyone would come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, that at, instead of the lordship to their sin or empire, or idolatry, what have you, that they would experience God's salvation and shalom through mm -hmm. Jesus, through his mm -hmm. resurrection, and they would participate in God's kingdom ministry here on earth until he returns. But we tend to focus on one or two atonement theories and make them the gospel. And that's okay. Not everyone has to know everything all the time. Um, but the gospel is so much more robust than yeah. we than we think. Now, God loves you. I think, he, let me say this. There are a lot of non-Christians and a lot of Christians who think God is not good and God does not love them. That's right. And part of that is because they think Jesus sort of forced God into loving them. And that's not the gospel either. So I do think it's it's crucial to say to this world and to say to us again and again, God is a good God and God loves you. God is a good yes. God and God loves you. I think what he's saying, why that's not the whole picture is because it doesn't mean, and then you're left to do whatever you want with your mm -hmm. sin. No, mm -hmm. the call again is to come out of your sin under the lordship and authority of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That we make him the king of all that we do in the center of all we do. Yeah, it's... um. So I've said this before. Tell me if you agree with this. The, the gospel is the good news, right? That's literally what it means. It's it's literally the good news. Euangelion. There you go. Way to pull out the Greek. Thank that you. was a total flex Thank move you. right there. Thank you. My uh, master's degree <laughs> taught me something. Uh, it is the good news. I've often said to our church that the greater you understand the bad news of Scripture— it's proportional. The greater mm. I understand the bad news, the more good the good news becomes, right? Mm. Like I can't – we often jump to the good news. We do this with all sorts of things. Yeah. But we jump to the good news. Yeah. But the good news is good because of how bad the bad news That's is. That's good, Brian. So help people understand that when we talk about even the bad – I guess I want to get – 
When Fred says it isn't, or Fitch, oh, David, Fred. I know, David I Fitch keep getting that mixed up too. When funny? Fitch says it's not the whole picture, I kind of think of it as a stool. He's wanting to make sure we got all the legs in place, yeah, right? Like, yeah. what are those legs? What is, how, why is it so important to know and understand and really feel deeply the bad news? Yeah, right. I think what's missing here, it, I guess what he's saying is missing here is the reality of our sin, our brokenness, mm-hmm. evil in the world, and death. Death as the, um, don't ever, death as the consequence or death. Or death as the result of our sin and brokenness and evil that's in the world. And the reality is that on the cross, Jesus conquered sin, capital S, and personal sin and evil and death so that we could experience new life Mm -hmm. and life to come in him. And I think what he's probably talking about is we do have to deal with that sin piece, right? That that Jesus didn't die for nothing. Jesus died because of sin in the world and Mm -hmm. because of our personal sin. Sin as a power and sin as a guilt because we have wronged God. And so we have to... um, we have to acknowledge our sin. Mm. We have to um, renounce our sinful ways and begin to follow Jesus. That's part of the gospel. We turn from the ways that we have always walked and, uh, you know, the idolatry, the other things that we have worshipped, and we turn towards Jesus. And I think if we ignore sin, mm-hmm. really we're ignoring the power of the cross. That's well put. The, the bad news. and. Both the problems here, if I only sit in the bad news, mm-hmm. like if I only the wages of sin is death yes. and I just sit there, right. you're left with no hope. Yeah. Uh, you're left with condemnation. Yeah. You're left with like, I can't, uh, I, you know, you might as well just kind of lay low and die. Right. Like, totally. Uh, we can't just sit in the bad news. But if we only sit in the yeah. good news, the gift of God is eternal life. Well, what's it a gift for? Like, what is he? Mm. What is it solving? Yeah. Uh, what good. is the issue it's here? Good. Uh, because I believe what something you said earlier, if it, all it is is Jesus died, I get to go to heaven, it, it can become very self-centered. It can become like, well, look what Jesus did totally. for me. And man, I kind of really deserve Then so you, you do need a robust, uh, man, the wages of sin is death, mm. but the free gift of God is eternal life. Well, Amen. I understand that free gift even more as I understand what's deserved, the wage that That's I good, deserve. Brian. Uh, and in, uh, we don't like talking about sin these no. days. We don't like um, talking about why the gospel is mm. good news because we want to believe, oh, we're all great. Yeah, mm. yeah, and you said it before, so important. David Fitch is not telling us, don't tell people that God loves right. you. <laughs> right. God does love you. Right. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus. Like right. That's all part of this. Right. Um, but we do need kind of this robust... Uh, let me let me let you. You've got an evangelism master's degree, so let's end here. Well, or thank we, you. Or we hope you do. Let's hope. I haven't. We don't know about we, my exam yet. Somewhere, yeah. Ed Stetzer sitting at his desk, going, shaking uh, his head. She no. sure is. She shaking sure is presuming no. a lot. <laughs> uh, the person who just can't believe that the gospel's for them. Aww, that they just yeah. can't believe that God would save them. They mm. get the sin part. They get the failure part. Mm. They get the judgment part. But they really struggle to believe the good news for them. How about a word for them? I think this is actually what I love about Christianity. Mm. Because though we do make exclusive claims that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the one way, the truth, and the life to God the Father, um, it's an invitation to everybody. And we see Mm -hmm. throughout all of Scripture that, I mean, the worst of sinners, murderers, Mm. are invited to come to Christ and made new. Um, people who actually deny Jesus and say, no, 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 he's not my Lord, he's not my king, are invited to come to Christ yeah. and be made new and then invited to participate in ministry. Like, this is the incredible thing is there there is no 
exclusive. Like everyone is invited. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what this morning looked like. It doesn't matter what last night looked like. It doesn't matter what your past looked like. It does not matter how broke you are, how broken you are, how bitter and terrible you are, how much you've hurt other people or hurt yourself. You are invited to come to Jesus Mm. to experience being made new, to experience the power of Holy Spirit to experience new life with him and eternal life with him. And that's the beautiful thing about Christianity Amen. is it is for everyone. Come to the cross today. Ah, such good news. And that's just, I'm going to leave it at that. Such good news. Well, hard right turn, Aubrey, as we've been saying earlier, it's my daughter's birthday it's your today. Daughter's birthday. In honor of my daughter's birthday, we have a little segment coming up that I'm looking forward to. I'm going to tell you some dad jokes. Brian, this is might be my birthday. We are going to do that next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. How are you doing today? It's really good to have you with us. Today is my daughter's birthday. My oldest daughter, uh, Madeline, turns 18 today. Happy birthday, Madeline. And uh, one of the I want to celebrate her many ways today. Uh, some just telling stories. You know, I, I jokingly told her, I told you this earlier, that I always view her as a six-year-old. So this morning <laughs> I was like, do you want to watch Dora or do this kind of stuff? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, That's and, cute. But another way that I would like to honor her today is by telling of some dad jokes. Because I got to be honest. She doesn't always enjoy them. This is fantastic. This <laughs> somehow, makes me so happy. Somehow, as I've gotten older, I've learned, yes, it actually does happen where you grow into the dad joke guy. Like, I didn't used to tell dad jokes to her, <laughs> but uh, now to her and my other two children, Jackson and Emily, I regularly tell them. Madeline has this way of guessing the answer. Oh, interesting. She's brilliant. aggravating. I want to be like, just let me tell you the joke. Yeah. The other two. But like you, sometimes they laugh. Sometimes they don't. Ah. And so... Uh, we're going to dedicate a little bit of time to the dad joke Love and it. our wonderful producer, uh, terribly creative, and I mean terribly in a wonderful way. Yes. Super creative. Yes. She created yet another intro. Let's listen to this for the dad jokes. It's time for dad jokes. Yeah, they're really bad jokes. They might make you mad jokes, but he thinks they're rad jokes. They're the dad jokes. Duh. I mean, just spectacular. spectacular. I feel like this segment's over. Like, it's so good. What Debbie doesn't know is, Debbie would have no way of knowing this, but like the singer that I hate the most in the world right now is Billie Eilish. Oh, hilarious. So when it comes on, my kids know I change it right away. That is amazing. If you're unaware. So uh, we've described this before as dad jokes or dud jokes. I try to make you laugh. Right. And sometimes and you, I do. Usually you're successful. Every once in a while it kind of is like, wah, wah. Yeah, and I've, yeah. I'm have i worried some of them. I've used some of my best material on you already. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, here we go. We're, we're going to try. Okay? All right, all right. I've also learned from you that the jokes that you have to think about the answer <laughs> aren't funny. Tend to not be funny. Yes. Even though I know if you want to click yeah. in your mind, uh, it's they're, yeah, they're actually Yeah, it's like funny. if it takes too long to get to the payoff, I'm like, yeah, okay. That took too much of my brain capacity. All right, here, this might be one of those. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? I'm so ready. <laughs> so right. ready. My wife is really mad at me at the fact that I have no sense of direction. So I packed up my stuff and write. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. That was good. That was yes. good. All right, yes. one for one. Instead of left, <laughs> there you, you go. were right. I had a feel. I, I was worried <laughs> that you were going to have to think about that for a little <laughs> no, bit. No, that's okay. good. That's good. Aubrey, did you hear about the kidnapping at school? I did not hear about the kidnapping at school. It's fine. He woke up. <laughs> I had a lot of things to do today, but you know what? Instead, I took a nap. It was a very good nap. <laughs> yes? Yeah, Am I good. two for two? <laughs> that's real good. Oh, I'm real feeling, good. I'm feeling real good about good, myself. I'm feeling good about myself. Wow. Uh, all righty. Here we go. A furniture store keeps calling me. All I wanted was a one-night stand. <laughs> no, that is inappropriate. No, you left. No, Brian, stand. pastor cannot All tell I that wanted joke. was one-night stand. <laughs> no. It's good. No, You it's were going to laugh at that, and then you I felt was, guilty. I was, and then I got convicted by the Holy Spirit. No, no. the Holy Spirit is laughing no, at that joke. No, that's funny. That's a good one. That's okay. a good one. Okay, what do you call a fake noodle? <laughs> what? An impasta. <laughs> Oh, that one was so terrible. But now I, now I think I have the giggles. So, <laughs> an impasta. That's, that's the Italian joke. <laughs> All right. What's Forrest Gump's password? I don't know. One Forrest One. <laughs> that was okay. That was okay. okay. All right. Let me search some out here. As you can guess, I'm, I'm just You've on You've said another Forrest them. Gump dad joke in the past that was like Gen A, something about Oh, not Gen. It was like not Gen X, but Gen A or something like that. It was, it was what what generation was yeah. Forrest Gump born in? Yeah, Gen A. Yeah, I hope your daughter Madeline appreciates this because this is some good. This is some good. Have yeah. you got one more for me, Brian? I got a couple more. for Okay, you. let's hear them. You do remember my former favorite one that I already told you? Yeah, but throw it out there. How do you find Will Smith in a snowstorm? You, you look, look for, for the fresh, fresh prince. <laughs> <laughs> I told my kids that and they did not think that was they funny don't either. Get it. Yeah. Yeah, sure. They, they they don't get it. That, yep. That's right. All right. Let me give you this one. Okay. A ship carrying red paint and a ship carrying blue paint collide in the middle of the ocean. Oh. Both crews were marooned. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's good. I mean, terrible, but good. Right, I'm gonna find you like one more. Okay, one one more in honor of Madeline. And I, yeah, I feel like this is your calling. This is your anointing, Brian. If this... These dad jokes. I wonder if there's such a thing as mom jokes. I may have to come to the table at some point with some mom jokes. All right, do you I have? Do you there's have one mom more? That's... Jokes. Moms aren't. Moms aren't funny. Women aren't funny. Want to hear? A... I didn't say it. <laughs> uh, Want to hear a joke about paper? Yes. Never mind. It's terrible. T- oh, terrible. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, no. we can't you, end on that one. You went out on a terrible note there, Brian. That oh, wasn't a good come one. On. All right, I got to find you one more. I got to right. find you one more. All right, Let's go. that wasn't a good one. What did the evil chicken lay? <laughs> what? Deviled eggs. Oh, okay. It's, it's all right. It's all right. Oh, that, that hurts me. Sorry, Brian. All right, well, today my son asked, can I have a bookmark? I burst into tears, 11 years old, and he still doesn't know my name is Brian. A book, comma mark. Oh, question. All right, mark. we're gonna go out on that one. We're Good gonna one. see. We'll bring this one back. No? I like it. Well, we'll for the it. for the theme song alone, Simply we gotta bring it back for the theme song. So, happy birthday to my daughter. What better way to embarrass your 18-year-old, your teenage <laughs> daughter, than with some dad jokes? So thanks for that. Happy birthday, Madeline. We are glad that you are all with us today. You're listening to the Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, 
everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host Brian Fromm. And we are absolutely thrilled today because we are joined by Ruth Cho Simon. She's an artist, a Wall Street Journal bestselling and award-winning author of several books. She has a brand new book out called When Strivings Cease, replacing the gospel of self-improvement with the gospel of life-transforming grace. Ruth, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Ruth, for our listeners who may not be familiar with your work, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family life, where you live, whatever it is you want us to know? Sure. Yes, I am um, an artist and the founder of Graceplace.com, where I get to share my artwork in various forms with um, with people who want to see beauty and truth in their lives all around the world. And mm. I create from my little top of the hill home in Western Colorado, and I um, and the mama to six boys. I know wow. sometimes when I say it out loud, but um, my oldest is 19 and my youngest is eight. And um, we are seriously blessed here to experience nature out in Colorado. Mm. So. It sounds beautiful. And then you said you have six boys. And I was like, I'm immediately tired. <laughs> Ruth, I have, right? I have three boys, and I don't know how you do it. <laughs> they are active for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Again, the book is called When Striving Cease. Uh, what's the background of the book, Ruth? How did it come about? And uh, why this book at this time? Yeah. You know, for years I've been talking about grace. In fact, it's a cornerstone. It's it's what I named my organization after, Grace Lace, how God's grace laces through our everyday lives. But I've never really been able to tell the backstory, how it became, how the grace of God really became um, the most important thing in my entire life. And it really is a story of how um, I was born in Taiwan and immigrated to the United States when I was and being caught between two cultures, both cultures being um, both my Western and my Eastern um, context, mm. both put such a high priority on performance and approval seeking and really measuring achievement and mm. self-worth. And so as you can imagine, um, it was really difficult for me to understand this unmerited free gift of grace that God offers us Mm -hmm. through Jesus Christ. So this is the story of how I laid my strivings down and received favor instead. Oh, that's so good. I feel like so many of us, including myself, need, need that message right now. I, you know, thinking about that, we all, Brian and I were actually just talking about this. We have tendencies to do more and achieve more and make more. And, you know, just constantly that like cycle of more Talk to us about how that really is um, impacting our beliefs about who God is and what we should be thinking about God instead. Yeah, you know, I I feel like we are really wrapped up in a generation that is constantly looking for the quickest fix, the quickest self-help method that we can get to where we want to go. And, um, you know, I call it the gospel of self-improvement with quotes around it, because really it's not good news at all. It really is this, um, this oppressive sense of, okay, you have to be the hero of your own story. You have to save yourself by striving and doing more and being better. And when we really really, if we're honest with ourselves, it's that we start worshiping ourselves and our productiveness mm-hmm. and um, our achievement rather than really worshiping God. I think whenever we look at what causes us to be anxious and what causes us to be extremely um, uh, even busy, but just really what causes us to be um, really bound up in, in striving, 
we can see what it is that we treasure most. And so if our strivings point to the thought that we really think the working harder and achieving more will bring us happiness, that's what we're actually worshiping and mm-hmm. not Christ. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Ruth, you said grace is kind of at the heart of everything you do. Like you said, you named your organization. It's in the name of your mm-hmm. organization. Uh, why is grace so hard for us to grasp? Why is it, especially people who've been in the church for a long time, what is it about grace that is just so difficult? You know, I think we um, so often think grace is that warm and fuzzy word that we put on a mug and then we kind of go, you know, I need God's grace and a lot of coffee today. And we think <laughs> it's enough for it to just save us maybe from, you know, hell and destruction, but not enough to sustain us. So we pray the prayer at VBS or in Sunday school. We walk the aisle. We receive Jesus if we're believers. And then we forget that the grace of God doesn't stop there. It's meant to sustain us and transform us, Mm -hmm. right? That everything that we are meant to live in our Christian life is fueled by grace. It's not that He saves us and then we fuel ourselves. It's that He saves us and fuels us for everything that's intended for us um, now into heaven. Mm. Oh, so good, Ruth. Again, the title of the book that we're talking about is When Striving Cease, Replacing the Gospel of Self-Improvement with the Gospel of Life Transforming Grace. Ruth, the book is divided into two sections. You talk about the um, ways we strive and then the ways that grace changes everything. Are there certain strivings that you struggle with more than others? For sure. Um, you know, I, I got pretty honest with this book. I wanted a reader to feel like they were sitting down with a, a really honest friend. Mm. I didn't, I'm not an expert. I'm not somebody who's totally on the other side of it and never wrestle with it anymore. In fact, quite frankly, I'm an author who wrote a book about striving in an industry that kind of rewards a lot of striving. (laughs) Isn't that true? And so, you know, I mean, the the book industry is one that measures constantly. And so even now, even today at 46 years old, I have to be honest with you guys. Like I have to every day preach truth to myself Mm -hmm. about where my true worth comes from, where my true approval comes from and how it is that everything that I need for life and godliness is measured through the person of Christ and not through my personal abilities or inabilities. And so, yes, striving for um, approval from others, welcome from others. But, you know, here's the thing that I find really interesting about this topic is that we might say, hey, I struggle with um, achievement, wanting to, my pride wants me to achieve more or get more approval. But if we're really honest I think everything that we're striving for usually points to a core need that we all were made to long for. Mm. We all long for purpose and belonging Mm. and to be loved and to be seen and known, right? I mean, we all want that. So really, I won't say, hey, Aubrey, I'm really striving for um, belonging and to be seen and loved by others. What I say is I'm really striving to achieve and and to achieve my goals. (laughs) Isn't that true? But really what it is that we try to, what we're longing for is that we really want our lives to count. And so there's nothing wrong with that. God made us to want those things that he meant for us to find um, their fulfillment through his means, not our own. That's such a good word. Ruth, you mentioned something earlier, very important. You said you have to preach this to yourself. You have to kind of talk about how does somebody preach uh, this to themselves kind of intentionally on a regular basis? 
Yeah. You know, I've written a Bible study about this topic, preaching truth to yourself. It's in my Bible study called Truth Filled. And um, I find that we can look at even the psalmist in Psalm 41, 42, Psalm 103, and even the way the Apostle Paul writes the epistles like Colossians and Ephesians, there's always this pattern of, hey, I feel forgetful and I feel maybe afraid. You know, the psalmist is often afraid of his circumstances or frustrated or he feels alone or maybe the Apostle Paul is writing to the churches who might have forgotten. And he always starts with the truth of who God is and then who we are in Christ in light of who God is and then what we can do about it. So we sometimes skip over all that stuff and we get to the part where we're putting on, putting on off and we're saying, hey, don't lie, love other people. But the reality is we have to start with, why can we do that? Well, we start because our identities are in Christ because of who He is. And so, honestly, I have to wake up in the morning and immediately the first thing that comes up in the morning is usually, oh my goodness, my inbox is so full. Oh my goodness, I don't take care of all of these things. I mean, I'm sure you guys have your version. You wake up and you say, if I don't take care of all these things, everything will fall apart. Uh, Or it all depends on me. Or I I better not screw up today. Mm. All those things that weigh us down and cause us to feel angsty and for our shoulders to be, you know, just stressed and tense. I have to start every morning reminding myself, doing exactly what Thomas does. Why so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your hope in God. Mm-hmm. Or um, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. That's a, that's a command to my own soul. Um, put your hope in God and forget not his benefits. And so mm-hmm. that's what Psalm 103 reminds us. So start off the day, guys. Start off the day reminding yourself of who God is and what he's done mm-hmm. through the grace of God, through mm-hmm. Jesus. Oh, it's so good, Ruth. Again, Ruth Cho Simons is an artist and a Wall Street Journal bestselling and award-winning author of several books. We're talking with her about her new book, When Strivings Cease, Replacing the Gospel of Self-Improvement with the Gospel of Life-Transforming Grace. You mentioned that there's a companion Bible study that goes along with the book. Can you tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about that? Yeah, you know, um, there is so much to uncover about the grace of God and how it fuels our lives and doesn't leave us lacking. And we will dig into that through the companion Bible study called When Striving Cease Study Guide. There's six sessions that you can do um, individually or with a group of friends. I seriously recommend doing it with friends. But um, there are also six video teaching sessions in which I bring you with you to Western Colorado and we're outside talking about what Scripture says about how grace transforms our lives. Oh, you had us at Western Colorado. Yeah, you did. There's even some horses in the videos. It's in my backyard. There yep. you go. There wow. you go. Uh, Ruth, when are strivings good? Like, what, maybe mm. in the Bible or just in other ways, when are strivings a positive thing? How do we get to that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny because when I talk about this topic, I think a lot of times people think that what I'm really saying is, let's just eat a bowl of ice cream and mm-hmm. put our feet up and not worry about anything. <laughs> well, when we wake up tomorrow morning, I've got six kids. I still have to feed and dress them and and train them and, go, and do right. homework. I do still need to empty up my inbox. It's not <laughs> that we stop striving yeah. to 
steward well, it's how we strive. And so mm-hmm. the, the fact is, you know, the word strive is not a bad word. In Even in Scripture, we see the word strive. It's that the idea of striving, and I'll just define it real quick. What I'm talking about when I say we're striving in our own strength, that really is about um, anxiously trying to manipulate or control a circumstance in our lives so that we can achieve or gain something we don't quite trust God to give us. Mm, and wow. so you can see it in the garden, right? Even Eve did such thing, mm-hmm. thinking, maybe God's holding out on me, so maybe I need to take it into my own hands and do what I think is best for me. Mm. And so when we strive, we're anxious because we don't quite trust God to give us what we think we need in the time that He wants to answer yes, us right. or in the way He wants to do it. So we anxiously maneuver or try to toil in a way to get that. And so... Um, the re- the reality is all of life, we, we are told to run our race well. Running the race well, as Paul says, is not, um, we're not just strolling along. It's about running. Running is a striving, right? You have to like actually pace yourself and give it effort. So it's not that we are coasting. It's that when we are fueled by what is true of our identities in Christ, when you are rested and settled in the truth that it is God's grace and favor that um, sustains you, that allows you to be near and never cast out from God's presence, that fuels us in a way that anxiously trying to earn your worth never can. Mm. And so I love that you asked that question because the reality is after this broadcast, we all have to get back to work. We have to get to the dishes in our sink, right? We have to go pick up our kids from car line, or we have to go go through that document that we don't want to read. It's work. We even, we do serve in church. We all do these things that, does it, is it striving? Well, it's only striving if we are trying to earn our place next to Jesus Mm -hmm. and earn our place with others by doing it in our own strength. So, Striving in itself isn't bad. And Ruth, um, I I wonder, you know, I'm hearing you talk about this hard-won wisdom, really, about God's grace. And I wonder if for you there's a particular story or maybe an event. Mm -hmm. What what sort of got you there, I guess? Yeah. You know, I think um, some of the wrestling for me has been in a context where prior to my my parents becoming believers and really understanding the grace of God themselves, there were, were a lot of instances, both culturally and community-wise, but even in my own home, that um, made me feel very much like I had to earn my place and earn my favor. And one of the, the most poignant moments was really a time when I was in middle school trying to get my dad's attention with a story about all the things that were going on in my life, details that were really probably silly but important to me because mm-hmm. I was in, a, in middle school. And my dad, simply the story is just that my, my dad, this was before he was a believer. He wasn't trying to be cold and mean. He just looked up and simply, and I, I, I said, I said, dad, I'm telling you all these important things. And mm-hmm. why don't you respond to me? Like, why don't you even listen to me when I'm talking to you? And he literally looked up and wasn't trying to be mean, but he simply said, because you haven't finished the dishes yet. Mm-hmm. And, and that story is poignant for me. Because mm-hmm. he wasn't trying to hurt my feelings. Yeah. He, he didn't know any better at that time in his life. But I share that story to say, I see you if you're a listener who feels like there have been lots and lots and lots of messages in your life that say you're not worthy of time or attention or even love mm-hmm. if you don't 
do an amazing job. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we feel that way on social media. Sometimes we feel that way in the workplace. If I'm disappointing, nobody will love me. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, I just could not understand until it was truly explained to me through the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount and through Romans and through Galatians, finally understanding through discipleship that I was never going to be so amazing that I could earn God's attention Mm -hmm. and favor on my own. And that became a freeing moment for me to finally realize it's because of Jesus. Mm. It's because of Jesus that God says, come near and never leave. Tell me all the things you have my attention. Yeah. Ruth, that's such an important word. Thanks for that. Uh, I've never written a book, but I would assume that when you write a book, one of the most gratifying things is people coming up to you and be like, I read your book and this. What do you hope is the this. What do you hope people say to you after reading the book, and what do you hope they've gotten from reading this book? Yeah, well, the number one thing I hope that anyone gets from reading any of my books, but especially this one, is maybe just the realization that they've thought too little of God's glory and mm-hmm. God's greatness and the grace of God, that maybe they would say, wow, I really have been treating the grace of God like a cruise ship instead of the life raft it really is Mm. to take me to safety. Mm. And so what would make me more happy than anything is for um, a sister in Christ to come up to me and say, I've been hustling for the last 10 years, working my way to try to achieve my dreams, thinking that um, I have to accomplish these these things to make my my life count. But now I'm going to be stewarding my gifts to to accomplish the things that God's given me, knowing that the grace of God is enough. That's what I really hope to hear. Oh, it's so beautiful, Ruth. Ruth, where can our listeners connect with you? Where can they buy your books and your Bible studies and all of the things you're putting out into the world right now? Yeah, well, I, it's my honor to encourage folks on Instagram, and you can find me on Instagram at Ruth Joe Simons, that's R-U-T-H-C-H-O-U-S-I-M-O-N-S. And you can go to the .com version of Ruth Joe Simon to learn all about my books and where I'll be speaking and um, how to um, learn more about the new book and Bible study as well. Awesome. Again, we've been talking with Ruth Cho Simon. She's an artist, entrepreneur, author of a brand new book that we've been talking about, When Striving Cease, Replacing the Gospel of Self-Improvement with the Gospel of Life Transforming Grace. Ruth, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we love sending you home at the end of every day with something inspiring, encouraging, challenging. And one of the places we like to go for some of that content is our friends over at The Good News Network, Mm -hmm. where they share stories that are just fun and uplifting and, I don't know, kind of like bring a little smile to your day. That's the goal. Just a smile. Yes. So we've got some uh, articles that we want to share with you, some great stories. Brian, you have anything you want to throw our way? Yeah, I will warn people, go to Good News Network. You'll have a lot of fun, and they will take forever to open. Yes. The website, (laughs) for some reason, is a little tricky. But it is well worth your time. Goodnewsnetwork.org. Number one, see incredible transformation of paralyzed mice given nanofibers in four-week study breakthrough. A, quote, bioactive scaffold regenerated damaged cells in the nervous system of mice paralyzed from spinal cord injuries. 
allowing them to walk again three to four weeks after treatment. Amazing. An astonishing feat never before achieved. The treatment opens a gateway into research on curing paralysis that's never been opened before and could be subject of FDA trials as early as next year. Northwestern University's Samuel Stupp, who led the trial, said, I cannot tell you how excited I am about this work. This is probably the most important paper I've ever written, and it describes a piece of science that was truly unknown. So, Aubrey, uh, people can read the rest of it, but just the idea that that there could be hope out there for people – uh, with spinal cord injuries, because mm-hmm. generally when you have a spinal cord injury, you lose the ability to walk you, or other you just things. Make the best of yeah. life yeah. with that spinal cord injury. But if there was ever modern medicine that progressed to the point of of bringing back regenerating, yeah. what an unbelievable! Isn't that amazing We're to just, think about? Yeah, you just often look at modern medicine and go, "Those people are never paid enough." Oh, seriously, the advancements that they make to improve the quality of life yes. is absolutely so incredible. Well, that's going to be an interesting story to keep following as time goes on. All right, th- Brian, this one is hilarious. I'm ready. Okay, it almost feels bad to share after that one because that one's so powerful. This one is actually really funny. Okay, woman falls down mountain. Writes hilarious review for leggings. So there's a picture. You have to go to goodnewsnetwork.org and search this story. There's a woman like kind of hanging off the side of a mountain, which sounds a little scary. She's safe. I don't. She wouldn't it's share it otherwise. Like a slope. A slope. A rocky <laughs> slope. Um, but she. The whole thing is that <laughs> there was not even a hole in her pants after the accident. And this is the funny part. She added these photos to her Amazon review. Says her. Uh, photographic testimony spurred over 18,000 shoppers to mark her review as helpful. <laughs> <laughs> if you too fall down the mountain. She left a five-star rating for the Ray Pose exercise leggings, encouraging others to order them now. Then she says, can I just say I'll be reordering them in every color. Here is me rolling and sliding down a mountain because I was too scared to get up. My leggings did not rip and even a little bit, and I got stuck on rocks and trees. <laughs> There's something to be said about self-deprecating humor, right? I just right? love it. I love it. I love it. Self-deprecating. All right, this one we could call inspiring. A bride surprises her blind blind groom. That was a hard sentence to say for some reason. Bride surprises blind groom by wearing a special tactile wedding dress. Aww. He said, my mind was blown. Come on. Weddings are, by their nature, inherently touching. But for one recent bride and groom, the ceremony was not only touching, but tactile as well. When Kelly Ann and Anthony Ferraro decided to tie the knot, Kelly wanted to make the day extra special for her soon-to-be husband. Since Anthony is blind, she knew he wouldn't get to view her in her wedding finery, but nonetheless... She was determined to make sure that he got to, quote, see her by on their big day. He simply have to use his other senses. Combining a variety of fabrics, the custom-made, one-of-a-kind gown that Kelly came up with uh, was made. Uh, I just lost my spot. Uh, one-of-a-kind gown Kelly came up with for her walk down the aisle was taken more from the pages of a book by Louis Braille than mm. as a nod to the designer fair of traditional bridal magazines. So it was romantic. They say it was a romantic tale in texture. I love One that. that was meant for her true love alone to read. I love that. I have a friend with a blind daughter. I'm going to send her that article. That is really cool. I mean, isn't that unbelievable that yes. she thought like, okay, I want to do something mm. for my husband mm. that's just going to make our day special. Oh, that is so uh, cool. That maybe he wouldn't otherwise have. That's great. Wow, I love that story. All right, here's another one. This one makes me a little sad, but we'll have to see what you think, Brian. 
All right. Um, you can camp in churches in the UK. Travelers can rent ancient, unused churches in the United Kingdom to help pay for their upkeep. Okay, I like that part of it. In the UK, historic churches are becoming unique destinations for an overnight stay in nature. Oh, at the same time, that money is being raised to save them. Save them. I feel better about this because I was thinking they weren't being saved, so now they're just sort of like hotels. But the money is going to save the churches. I like that. And here's what it's called. Champing. (laughs) Church camping instead of glamping. Champing involves booking a church as a campsite for the night and champing the organization ensures that unmet necessities are provided and that all proceeds keep the churches, some of which date back to the 12th century, in good order. I love that. You do love it, but I think, if I could speak for you, I think what you've said makes it sad is the use of the word unused. Thank you. Yes. That that there if, are these yes. churches across Europe that are ancient and beautiful and this and that, but they are unused. Yes. And that's the sad part. But the happy ending is people are champing. 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 They're champing. And uh, <laughs> hopefully money will help uh, revitalize yes, these Yes, you're right. That was the sad part for me. I never like empty churches. I don't know what it speaks yep. of some sadness to me, but that's a, cool, that's a cool story. I like that one. Okay, I have one more, Brian. Do you Go have any more? Should I do, I do not, it? but okay. I want your last one. All I'm right, ready for it. This is the last one. Okay, this one is pretty cool, too. Incredible cave paintings, eight miles long, revealed deep in the Amazon forest. They're calling it the Sistine Chapel of Ancients. You can go Mm -hmm. on Good News Network and find pictures of it. Tens of thousands of pristine cave paintings were found daubed across an eight-mile stretch of rock in a -a once-in-a-century discovery in Colombia's Amazon rainforest. It's being hailed as the Sistine Chapel of the Ancients. It's the kind of discovery that changes the world of archaeology is believed to be 12,500 years old. The art is extremely detailed, includes handprints, depictions of ice age megafauna like the mastodon, a relative of the mammoth, ice age horses, giant ground sloths. The discovery can be made in a national park in the south of Colombia. It was just made in 2019, but this is interesting. It was kept quiet to be revealed in a major documentary called Jungle Mystery, Lost Kingdoms of the Amazon, which I assume you can find now. And presumably archaeologists want to preserve as much time they can to study the art alone before a bunch of um, you know tourists start coming in. But isn't that so That's fascinating? Yeah. You can zoom in on some of the pictures on Good News Network, and it is really, really cool. Really, really Yeah, I love the Good News Network. Just kind of puts a smile yeah. on your face as you get, you get ready to kind of close out the show. Yeah, exactly right. Well, we hope that that encouraged you today. You've got a smile on your face, like Brian said. And we will be back tomorrow right here from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.